Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Plenty. It's October, almost November, so that means that a whole year is almost over. How have you been coping, friends? Seriously, if you haven't already, make sure to take some time for yourself before the holidays. It's been a long 10 months, and you deserve the time to yourself. Well, We're not going to talk about self-care today, although we probably do need to talk about self-care. I just thought I'd check on you. But since it is October and it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we can't just let the month skip by and not talk about it. So today we're going to talk about breast cancer and uh, things that you can do to um, try to stay on top of this and prevent or uh, have early diagnosis. So let's start with some facts. Breast cancer accounts for about 30% of cancers in women and 14% of cancer deaths. One in eight women in the U.S., about 13%, will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. Breast cancer isn't just found in women, though. Like People think if you're a man, you're not at risk. Well, this year, there's going to be about almost 2,700 new cases anticipated to be diagnosed in men. And that's given that a man's lifetime risk of breast cancer is 1 in 833. Death rates have been steady for women under the age of 50 since 2007, but have continued to drop in women over 50 with about a 1% decrease per year since 2013. So we need to make more progress in women under age 50. Some of this is likely because we don't think we're at risk because... You're younger, right? But that is not the case. More warm women are being diagnosed earlier, even in pregnancy. Why? Because during your first prenatal visit, you get a breast exam. You should have a breast and a pelvic exam during your first visit. And if you go to my website, there's a whole prenatal checklist that tells you what you should be, what you should have done in each visit. Go download that and take it with you to your visit so that you can make sure these things are done. So since we're having kids later, naturally, the incidence of breast cancer in pregnancy has continued to increase. Younger women are more likely to be diagnosed with more aggressive breast cancers. Black women in particular are more likely to be diagnosed with what's called triple negative breast cancer. And that means that the estrogen receptor is negative on the the tumor, progesterone receptor is negative, and HER2 nu is also negative. Um, which is a type of gene. Why is this such a big deal? Like we hear, oh, triple negative breast cancers, that's bad. Well, that's because they're harder to treat because we can't use the typical drugs that block hormones. So we use 
estrogen receptor modulators or what's called SERMs, short for SERMs, selective estrogen receptor modulators. And we also use other modulators that block certain hormone production because if, if your cancers are hormonal responsive, we block those hormones, then it's your hormones going to grow, uh, your cancer is going to grow at a slower rate. Well, if you're triple negative, we can't block those hormones. So that means that your cancer is growing despite blocking the hormones. So that's why it's bad because it's harder to treat triple negative breast cancers. Those self breast exams that we used to tell you to do in the shower every month, the little card you used to hang up on the shower head that shows you how to do each, fill each breast. Well, those are no longer recommended. So why are they no longer recommended? Well, it's because realistically we weren't doing them right. <laughs> we weren't doing the exams right. And people were feeling all kind of stuff that really wasn't there. And people weren't really doing them as frequently as they should be doing them. And people were reassuring themselves falsely, saying that there was nothing going on and not getting their mammograms. So instead, we started saying, no, we don't even recommend that. You just go straight and get your mammogram starting at age 40. Age 40, first mammogram. Now, if you have a family history of breast cancer that was diagnosed before age 50, then you should talk to your OBGYN because we need to figure out something else is going on. If you have two or more first degree relatives that have had breast cancer diagnosed before age 50, then you really need to get tested for BRCA, uh, the breast cancer receptor uh, gene mutation. So there's BRCA1 and BRCA2. That puts you at a heightened risk of having breast cancer at some time in your life. But if you're BRCA positive, definitely before age 50. So if you have two first degree relatives, like a sister, a mother, then you need to get BRCA tested. Okay. Now, if you have other uh, cancers in the family, like ovarian cancer, colon cancer, you know, if you have a lot of different type of cancers, then you may need to be uh, also assessed for Lynch syndrome. Okay, that's a syndrome that's associated with certain types of cancers. And that would also put you at increased risk for those types of cancers, obviously, plus breast cancer. So we those people need to be screened even before age 40. If you have those strong family history, you could have a, have a BRCA mutation or Lynch syndrome. But otherwise, age 40 is when you should start your mammograms. Okay. Usually if you feel something in your breast, then... You should just get tested. You should get checked. Um, tell your OBGYN, hey, I feel this. And then they will do further assessment. So instead of those self-breast exams in the shower, now we just tell people, hey, you should actually get to know your breasts. Get to know your boobs. Feel your boobs. Know we are all grown. We should be very comfortable feeling our boobs, okay? You feel something in one breast, then you go to the other breast to see if you feel something there. If you don't get it, uh, if you don't feel something in the other breast, then you get it checked. If you have leakage from your breast, then you should make sure to tell your OBGYN, even if you don't feel a lump. During pregnancy, some women leak milk in the third trimester. It's like your breasts are getting ready for the baby. and This is due to hormonal changes that happen. And normally you're not producing milk until day three of your postpartum period because of release of oxytocin from nipple stimulation. But occasionally, because of those hormonal changes, you can have that leakage to occur earlier before you deliver. 
And that's not a big deal. But if you're not pregnant or you're remote from pregnancy, like, hey, it's been years since I've been pregnant, then leaking milk could be a sign of breast cancer or it can be a sign of a mass in the brain, like a pituitary mass. This is the area of the brain that makes some of the crucial hormones that control our cycles. So make sure to tell your OBGYN and get some answers. Anytime a nipple discharge is another color besides milk, even if you are breastfeeding, uh, you should get it checked out. Okay, Nipple discharge should not be bloody, shouldn't be pink, shouldn't be green. None of that should happen, okay? Shouldn't have any redness over your breast. Um, none of that should happen. So even if you don't feel a lump, you should tell your OBGYN so that you can get some answers and you can get the, your breast checked out immediately, okay? All right, so now that we know a little bit more about breast cancer, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 32-year-old who is 14 weeks pregnant with her second child. She was recently diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer. She has no other medical problems. She was diagnosed last week and would like to discuss her treatment options. She is afraid that chemotherapy will hurt the baby and therefore would like to discuss safety and the options to delay therapy until after the baby is born. So the good thing is she's just stage two. That's a blessing in itself that you're only stage two. I've treated several people in pregnancy that have gotten their breast exams when they got their pap smear in the first trimester. They, you know, the OBGYN failed something or I felt something. And then we've sent uh, the patient in pregnancy to get a breast ultrasound. So most of the time in pregnancy, it's harder to get a mammogram because that breast tissue is so much more dense. Um, So we'll do a breast ultrasound. And depending on what that looks like, um, some radiologists would recommend going straight to breast MRI, MRI to sort of figure out what this lesion looks like in more detail. So apparently this is, What's happened because they then did a biopsy and they've diagnosed actual cancer and she's gotten staged, right? She's gotten staged. They've done lymph node biopsies. She knows that she's stage two. That's a really good prognosis depending on the type of breast cancer. Now, there's a lot of different types of breast cancer. So the good thing is you have stage two breast cancer, which means that usually that is a really good prognosis. It's early stage. Okay. So it's not like you have stage three or stage four being advanced cancer. So this is very, very treatable at this point. Um, there are some cancers that are more aggressive. So inflammatory breast cancer is more aggressive. Triple negative breast cancer, like I said before, is more aggressive. Um, so it really depends on the type of cancer you have. That will determine the treatment that's recommended. But overall, general rule of thought is a combination of chemotherapy as well as a lumpectomy. So since you're stage two, a lumpectomy would probably be what they would do um, as well as chemotherapy. The timing of that lumpectomy will just depend, okay? Some surgeons will recommend you get a certain number of cycles of chemotherapy, then you have the lumpectomy, then you have more chemo, okay? Can that be delayed until after pregnancy? The short answer is no, it cannot be delayed. I do not recommend delaying cancer treatments until after pregnancy. Why? Because... Even if you're triple negative, you're going to have some response because of hormones in the pregnancy. Okay. So I, you know, pregnancy is a long time. You're only 14 weeks. You have a long time to go until the pregnancy is over. So I would not want to delay your treatment 
and then your cancer proliferate or grow. Same thing as grow. We don't want that to happen. And then once you finish, all of a sudden you're upstaged. Like we don't want that to happen. We want you to be around for your child. But let's have a real conversation for a second. Okay. You're 14 weeks. Let's say you are not in the state of Texas. Okay. Because in the state of Texas, we still can't have this conversation. At 14 weeks, medical legally, your OBGYN in conjunction with a high risk specialist like me would have to counsel you about the option of terminating this pregnancy. Okay. They would ask you if you want to terminate this pregnancy because we know that with cancer, some of the chemotherapies we can get do increase your risk of having a smaller baby. Smaller babies can have more complication. And it also increases your risk of um, needing to have a preterm delivery. Preterm deliveries obviously have a higher risk of poor outcomes as well because we're putting your baby in the NICU. We're creating, uh, you know, respiratory distress and potentially all the other things that can come with prematurity, depending on when we need to deliver you. So I have to give you the option to terminate since you are under 22 weeks, 21 weeks and six days. And in most states, that is the safe time to terminate a pregnancy. You're only 14 weeks. I have to talk to you about that. Now, let's say you're like, I really want to have this baby. Okay, well, then we have to figure out what medicines are safe in pregnancy and what's not. I will work in conjunction with a hematology oncologist or a cancer doctor, as well as a breast surgeon to figure out what treatment they would recommend and what's safe. Now, the good thing is breast cancer in pregnancy, honestly, is a lot more common than you think. And so we know what medicines we can put you on and what medicine we can't put you on and the side effects they cause to the baby. So we would basically, you know, talk to each other about their regimen and start you on chemotherapy. The chemotherapy that I'm used to starting people on in pregnancy are very safe for the baby. We would not recommend chemotherapy in the first trimester. If we can avoid it, you're not. You're 14 weeks. So there's no reason to delay chemotherapy. Even if you needed a uh, lumpectomy now, I would go ahead and do the lumpectomy uh, during the pregnancy if you needed it. If it could not wait. Now, a lot of hematology oncologists will try to delay your therapy uh, until, I mean, your surgery until after the pregnancy. But you're so early that if they wanted to do the three cycles, then go ahead and do the uh, lumpectomy and then you complete your cycles, then they can go ahead and do that. Um, usually if you needed radiation therapy, then you would need to be delivered preterm. So um, using chemo, lumpectomy, and then radiation, once you get to the point of radiation, it's sort of like, okay, we need to do radiation now. When are we going to deliver? And at that point, we would give you steroids to help accelerate lung maturity of the baby and then um, be delivered. And depending on the gestational age, some people can be induced. So if you're 32 weeks or up and we're talking about delivering you, we can still induce you to deliver. If you are under that gestational age, some small babies don't tolerate labor well. And so we would have to talk to you about a C-section. Now, the reason that we would want to avoid a C-section in somebody that had breast cancer is because you're already immunosuppressed with having a, the pregnancy. And then chemotherapy is suppressing your immune system even further because we're trying to kill cancer cells, okay? And so you're super immunosuppressed and we don't want to put a wound that you'd have to take care of and then stop your chemotherapy for a couple more weeks 
to allow you to have proper wound healing. So the C-section sort of clouds it because we don't want you to have wound breakdown and we want want you your immune system to be healthy enough to heal. But if you can't tolerate labor, then we would just have to do that. If you're younger than 32 weeks or earlier than 32 weeks, then we would have to do a C-section and they would have to delay starting your chemotherapy back. Um, I know that was a long-winded answer to say the case pearl, which is chemotherapy should not be delayed in pregnancy, period. Because we want to be aggressive in treating you. And so what I would want for you is for you to really figure out, do you want to proceed with the pregnancy? And if you do, then we have to do the best thing we possibly can to keep you safe, as well as to keep your baby safe and to get you as far into the pregnancy as possible to get the best outcome for the baby and the the least amount of days in the NICU as possible so that you can then continue your treatment and be around for baseball games and football games or track meets or dance recitals or, you know, what have you. We want you to be around. So that is that is what I would say. Do not delay your treatment. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 28-year-old who was recently diagnosed with cancer based on a fine needle biopsy. She has not yet been staged. She has a history of PCOS, but otherwise she has no medical problems. She has no kids, but would like to have kids in the future. She presents to preserve her option for fertility later on in life. Okay, so every woman that is diagnosed with cancer that wants to have a child should always have the right to have a child. So before you get treatment, meaning before you start chemotherapy or radiation therapy or get any type of surgery, um, you need to, I I would refer you to reproductive endocrinologists and infertility specialists because egg preservation would be the way to go. So egg freezing versus embryo um, freezing would be what I would recommend. Um, I would talk to you about your risk of IVF because if you get your eggs frozen or if you get um, embryo freezing, then that means you're going to have IVF, okay? And so the risk of IVF, obviously you have an increased risk of having a smaller baby because we are manipulating the egg and implanting it into your uterus. You have an increased risk of also having preeclampsia, which is when you have high blood pressure and vascular damage that we look at for as protein in your urine to increase risk of that. You have an increased risk of having have a preterm delivery um, and an operative delivery. So those are your IVF risk. And so you have to accept those risks um, to, to understand that, hey, this is this is what I'm going to be risking in order to have a child. We say that because chemotherapy has a tendency to kill your ovarian reserve. So there are some people that get pregnant naturally after chemotherapy. But if you have to have, you know, radiation, uh, sometimes that exposure can damage the ovaries. Um, and so we want to make sure that you have eggs retrieved before you go through radiation. Chemotherapy can also damage eggs. And so we want to make sure that we have an egg retrieval for that. I say that, but there are a lot of people that get pregnant naturally on their own after they've had cancer. So it doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant naturally, but we know that the likelihood is going to be lower, especially if you're going to go through 
a year of chemotherapy and or radiation, depending on how staged you are. And if you're going to be on what's called neoadjuvant therapy, which are those hormones that we give you for, you know, the couple years after cancer to stop your cancer from recurring, then you may be delaying your pregnancy for a couple of years. And so the older you are, the less likely you are to get pregnant naturally. And so we want to make sure that you reserve that right if you want it. Now, you have to ask yourself, do you want to freeze eggs or you want to freeze embryos? And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to the episode with Dr. Jones. But realistically, embryos have a much higher success rate not much higher, but they do have a six, uh, a higher pregnancy success rate than just egg freezing. And that's because when your eggs are frozen, you have to thaw them back out, test them, or, you know, basically biopsy them to see if they're genetically normal, and then freeze them again while you're waiting on the results versus going ahead and fertilizing the egg with the sperm, testing it, freezing it one time and knowing whether it's normal or abnormal, and then you're thawing it once. So you're only thawing the embryo once as opposed to, thawing eggs twice, if that makes sense. So you're, you're, you know, freezing eggs, thawing, fertilizing, freezing, you know, it's, it's just a lot more, uh, more of a process if you're freezing eggs. But if you don't have a mate, then I would encourage you to freeze your eggs because you don't want to just freeze an embryo with somebody you're not serious about. And even if you're serious now, cancer diagnosis can put a real strain on relationships. So, you know, there are couples that don't make it through the strain of medical conditions. And I, I hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, there, are, I mean, even when people have like a heart attack, you know, it puts a strain on the marriage. So you don't want to go through something traumatic like cancer. And now all of a sudden there's a strain on your marriage and you have these frozen embryos and then your relationship doesn't make it even after you have thrived through this breast cancer process. So I would encourage you to freeze your eggs unless you're 99.9% sure that you're going to be with the person that you're with and that they already know that you have permission to use those embryos regardless of whether or not you guys are together or not within the next five years. Um, so that what, that's what I would tell you. But, um, but yes, you can get pregnant naturally. Okay. But egg or embryo freezing would be the way to go. And I wish you much success on your journey um, with breast cancer. I did learn in my research for this show that breast cancer, uh, you know, people that have been diagnosed with breast cancer don't want to be called survivors. Is that true? They'd rather be called thrivers. So I'm going to have to start saying that breast cancer thrivers. So once you're in remission, you you're thriving, you're living your best life and you're making it. So I pray that you thrive through breast cancer and I pray that your stage is very early so that you can get on with your life and have the babies that you want. So the case pearl for this case is egg versus embryo freezing is recommended in anyone diagnosed with breast cancer during their childbearing years. All right. Do we have any emailed questions? Yes. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I had a history of breast cancer five years ago and had a mastectomy on my left breast. I am now 36 weeks pregnant. Will I be able to breastfeed? So you will not be able to breastfeed on the side with a mastectomy, right? So even if you have an expander and you have a... Uh, 
implants, you can't breastfeed with implants, right? So the side, the left breast is like a no-go. You're not going to be able to breastfeed with that. But your right breast, you should be able to breastfeed with your right breast. That should be ample enough milk for a child. You only need one boob, okay? One lady lump is all you need to breastfeed. So yes, you can breastfeed. But I do want to make sure I'm saying if you're on some type of CIRM or like tamoxifen, you know, those agents that are helping with adjuvant therapy, then you should not breastfeed on those. Okay. You should not breastfeed on some of those, uh, you know, uh, alterating drugs. So no, you can't breastfeed if you're on those, but you're five years out uh, and you are cancer free, assuming. And if that's the case, then you're, you should not be on those drugs. You should be just getting your breast exams and your assessments with the GYN oncologist, excuse me, not the GYN oncologist, the hematology oncologist and your breast surgeon. You should be checking in with them at every six months to a year to make sure you're still cancer free. And as long as you are, you're not on any of those agents, then yeah, you can breastfeed with, uh, with your right breast. Absolutely, you can breastfeed. And I think that women beat themselves up so much when it comes to breastfeeding, right? And I've shared my story several times. Um, there's a YouTube video that I have about breastfeeding, um, you know, versus bottle feeding, because I've done both, right? And I beat myself up. I mean, cried like a baby at when Harrison was six months because I was underproducing. I wasn't producing enough milk. Let's say you're not producing enough milk. That does not make you a bad mother. And if you have to supplement with formula, supplement with formula. Let me tell you, it's it, we like breastfeeding. We encourage breastfeeding because that gives the baby some natural antibodies. But from a nutritional standpoint, they're equivalent. And a fed baby is the best, okay? Everybody's like, breast is best. Breast is good, but we want your baby to be healthy. We want your baby to be well fed and so a fed baby is best so don't beat yourself up if you have trouble breastfeeding but definitely try on the right breast and you should make sure your OBGYN uh, has a follow-up like a consultation a lactation consultation in-house in the hospital as well as one two weeks later after you deliver because this is that is more difficult you are more likely to have breast and nipple trauma because you're only you're exclusively going to be breastfeeding from one breast okay i think that's all the cases that we have for today and my medical intern is shaking her head yes so thanks so much for listening to pregnancy pearls podcast i hope you've learned a little bit more about breast cancer during this episode do me a favor if you are 40 or over Go ahead and schedule your mammogram this month. Go schedule it today. Encourage all of your friends and family to schedule it because people are afraid because they're like, oh, I don't want to be diagnosed with cancer. Well, you don't want to be diagnosed with advanced stage cancer. The, the goal is to catch it early so that we can laugh about this five years from now. You can share your thriving stories. So tell your friends, encourage them um, to also get their mammograms this month. Now, if you like the show, go ahead and rate the episode and drop a comment, if you will. And of course, sharing is caring. So go ahead, share the episode with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to check out my new website. It's new and improved. And you can look at all the uh, all the YouTube videos on that website, as well as click the links to visit the podcast on all platforms. You can also purchase the book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats, Volume 3, via the website as well. 
And you can schedule a consultation with me to discuss anything you want in pregnancy and book your free lactation consult with me as well. I hope to hear from you soon. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.